I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. When I came out to my mom, one of the first things she said was like she blamed the industry that I'm in. She just thought that because I did hair is why I was transitioning. I was like, oh. no, I'm, there's, there's, there's a lot more to it, mom. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Welcome to Diking Out, a G-Bet podcast. I'm Carolyn Bergier. Yes, I'm Melody Kamali. And today we're diking out with comedian and hairstylist Bailey Pope about creative pursuits. Yay, this was such a fun one. I love it when we have a guest who's somebody that I only kind of know in person and want to get to know better. And then having them on the pod is a great way to do it. And you'll see why we love my new best friend, Bailey Pope. Our new best friend. Quick announcements. Uh, in case you missed our earlier announcement, our watch parties at Henrietta Hudson's are now on Fridays. Look to our Instagram at Diking Out for all the details. Also, they'll be posting about it uh, on Henrietta Hudson's website. Get with the program. Also, if you're not subscribed to us, get with the program. If you haven't rated us five stars on Apple Podcasts, shame on you. Help the community out. Help us, Dykes. Bikes, help everybody. Us help y'all. Yes, we just want more people to find us. Is that so hard to ask? <laughs> Speaking of finding us, you know where you'll find me for the next week after recording this. We are recording this way before we are releasing it because I'm going to P Town 
for Carnival Week. And I have to say, that's got to be my gayest thing. I have to do it in advance because I just said my real gayest thing of the week. Yes, we're forecasting our gayest things. Yeah. Um, you I, Something gay has got to happen in P-Town so for Carnival Week. So many gay week. things. I think even though it's Carnival Week, they did cancel the parade because of the stuff going on with the Delta variant. The parade was the one thing of Carnival Week that I was looking forward to. That's okay. Um, I think the gayest thing is that I'm going to be uh, flirting with an older lesbian yeah. for fun. I love that. I did that on Fire Island. Um, yeah, yeah. I love the old dykes of P-Town. And yeah. I'm going to get my flirt on. I'm going to uh, encourage Cecilia to also get her flirt on. We'll see who can flirt with the um, the most oh, owls. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Old, wise. Old. Oh, I was like, old, white lesbians. Wise, wise, <laughs> wise, wise. <Yes. laughs> what about you? What do you think is going to be your gayest thing of the week, Melody? I think I'm going to have so much fun in P-Town. I, too, am going just for this weekend. I think I'm going to have so much fun. I'm going to scrap all my plans for Fire Island next summer and then start sort of fantasizing about a P-Town trip. I don't know. I don't know you, what you're going to book once you're there for next summer. Yeah, that's what this the, is the time to book your gay travel. You got to do it. ahead. Yep. Um, you know, we make up such a small amount of the population, but... It's very competitive for our little enclaves and havens. Um, we have to book a year in advance. But I get, get it. Our spots. I get um, it. Just like you get Cherry Grove now and I've been to P-Town and I get it. I get the appeal of being on vacation and that relaxing feeling of being surrounded by queers. Yeah, it is a peaceful feeling you know and then we just have to make it to one more spot there's one more east coast gay beach area and is it delaware rehoboth beach oh wow am i wrong um i wouldn't know but you know me and gay beaches uh i would be willing to venture though yeah that's that's one more and then there's tybee beach and these are the gay beaches i know about on the i'm familiar East Coast. with tybee beach but i didn't know that tybee beach was a gay beach even though i lived in georgia for i didn't until i was looking up years. places um to, uh last minute for p-town before i gave up like last spring because uh, you have to do it a year in advance but right. there were things available on rehoboth which made me mm, skeptical okay. um <laughs> but we'll have to do research if you know about rehoboth please uh dm us yeah, let, let us, us know. know what's the deal yeah oh yeah i noticed a lot of rehoboth places had sister resort or sister hotels on tybee and then i looked more into tybee realized pretty gay i've only been on the off season but i will be going to that area at the end of summer oh so i will get to knock out another gay beach wow look at that, look at that. Maybe that'll be my gayest thing, planning my Tybee Beach spots. I was going to say planning, it sounds like a three years worth of gay vacations. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, we're going to just dive right into this interview because we did have so much fun with it. And we know you're going to love this convo. Today, we're diking out with comedian Bailey Pope about creative pursuits. Uh, I've recently gotten to know Bailey because we run into each other at every 
open mic that I've been to since getting back into comedy. I swear everyone except one, I ran into Bailey and each time it's a joy. Uh, also recently learned that she's a hairstylist for the fashion industry, including coveted gigs during New York Fashion Week. Let's get to it. Bailey, it's so crazy to see you outside of a micro comedy show. Yeah, the but, lights are on. What? <laughs> right? I know. We've never seen each other in this lighting. So pleasant to see you. So excited to get to know you better and dike out today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. What's the gayest thing you did this week? Let's get right into that. I think the gayest thing I did this week was me and my girlfriend booked a trip to Grand Canyon because that's how much we hike is that we're flying to Dykes on Hikes. Yeah, I mean... My favorite hashtag on Instagram. I've never bought a pair of shoes for anything other than this. Like, (laughs) there's life. And then I finally was like, no, I need shoes for this. And uh, I feel like the gayest thing is flying to... A, a, a wonder of the world so that I can hike. That's so gay. That's so exciting. <laughs> I want to uh, go there. I've never been. How intensive hikes do you do? Do you like really strenuous ones? It depends. Yeah. And we do tend to like try to find something in like the like six to eight mile, like for day hikes. Um, okay. We haven't done anything like overnight yet, but when I was a teenager, I used to hike a lot with my, uh, with my dad and my brother. Um, and so we want to get to be doing bigger hikes, but we're also like always just driving like upstate to go hiking for the day or something. Where did you grow up that you would hike so much? I grew up in Southern California um, and we were real close to like mountains. And so we could go to peaks on day, day hikes and uh, yeah, it was good. Love that. So nice. And you and your girlfriend, when you started hiking together, were you at the same ability? Because this is where my wife and I struggle on hikes is that I'm constantly not to brag ahead of her. Likewise. I think that I, I do have a little bit more endurance um, most of the time, but like Kelly is my girlfriend, just like she, she would never let me know that she needs me to slow down. Um, <laughs> but I think now we're pretty much at the same place where uh, one of us will be like, mentally taking the lead yeah yeah (laughs) mentally that's good that's good yeah I I think like if we do it more we'll get to the same level that's always the case with my wife like I do think overall my wife is probably more athletic than me once she gets in shape but I'm the one that like no matter what shape I'm in I'll always like try to push myself a little bit more if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. My girlfriend is the one that actually works out and has a healthy lifestyle. And I like, I haven't worked out in probably a year and, uh, <laughs> I I eat dinner at midnight because I'm always coming home from comedy shit. Yeah, right. Uh, I just I am not healthy at all. But then I'm just ready to track when we get out. And she's right. Hate you for this. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, 
I've learned a little bit about you almost exclusively through your comedy. Hiking was something that we did talk about briefly uh, before the mic. But can you tell um, me and our listeners uh, and Melody a little bit more about yourself? So you're from Southern California. I know that. Am I right in that you had a somewhat religious upbringing? Yeah. So I grew up in like a very Christian household family in Southern California. Uh, I lived there until I was 21, I think 20 or 21, when my kid was born. Um, And then from there, we moved to the Midwest for a couple of years before moving to New York. And now I've been here for 11 years Uh, But yeah, I was religious actually until like shortly after moving to New York. So Mm. yeah, it's a, it's a lot of my history. What was it something about New York that snapped you out of it or? I think it was all kind of like synonymous where I was like wanting to be somewhere like New York. I, I was like mentally moving away from like faith and like also like because I was mentally moving away from faith, it was like finally I felt like it was going to be okay to like transition and come out and everything. Yeah. Have you found like you have to replace the faith with something though? Like a lot of uh, ex-religious people that we talk to are like now really into like astrology or like they're spiritual or yoga or something. 100% 100% no. <laughs> Stand-up comedy? Hiking. <laughs> I I think, like, I'm, like, making up for lost time of being, yeah. like, what's your evidence? And yeah. uh, it makes me not necessarily fun to be around. Uh, I was actually just... So I have a twin brother, actually. And I texted him this morning as I was writing... Uh, I was trying to write a joke for something. And I I was writing about how much I don't, like zodiac stuff and horoscopes and um i learned this morning that um so you know like people are like oh you know what day were you born what time of day and they're like oh and then they they read your horoscope and they're like oh it's so this is so you this is so you i'm like like then i tell them that my about my brother who's super different but this today i learned same exact day that i was born uh, Milo Yiannopoulos was oh, born. No. So, oh no! I don't. I don't know. What, what, <laughs> what do you do with that? Oh, it, it was fun for me because I can't wait to either use it in a joke or just to like dash dreams in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> wow, I've never thought about doing that of trying to find someone who was born like same year, same day, and think like we must share all these i guess i'm just the same as milo yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) now i'm afraid to find out yes amy i know i know washington and maggie crane wait what's the dowager day maggie smith yeah 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 yeah. same year right same same year year. as day maggie smith yeah (laughs) you're killing it love it yeah So we're talking about creative pursuits today. I met you in comedy and I didn't know that you were a hairstylist uh, and worked in that industry until the last time I saw you go up on stage. And I'm like, 
oh, learning something new every time. I love it. <laughs> I've got a lot to pull from. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, so I've been a hairstylist for like 15 or more years. I, there's a point when you're a hairstylist, when you're real young, where you lie and say it's been longer. So people trust you better, but then there's right. a point where you stop counting. So people don't do mental math about how old you are. Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, so it's been something like 15 years, uh, but I, yeah, I started in California and really the reason I started was I wanted to just not have a boss and I wanted to open a business of my own. I was with somebody who wanted to do hair. And so I was like, well, how about I'll go to beauty school. I'll learn about the industry so I can open a salon. And then two weeks into beauty school, I was like, oh, I love this. Um, and so it really worked out. I've, you know, I've done it for a long time. And then it's what brought me to New York also um, to do New York Fashion Week and photo shoots and and stuff like that. Um, And so somehow I made beauty school work out. um, And now I'm here. And how do you make that jump from starting out just going to beauty school to New York Fashion Week, which has got to be a pretty coveted gig I yeah. imagine yeah yeah it's it's one of those things where like most hairstylists would dream of doing it and um it wasn't something that I ever thought was going to be attainable early on but um when I first started like the very first job I ever had out of beauty school was assisting a uh, an educator um a stylist who basically teaches on stage and does stage presentation and um And so as soon as I was working for him, I was like, oh, I want to do this because it's like more engaged and it feels like a higher level than just being in a salon, which is awesome if that's like where your, where your, you know, energy is at. But, um, I always want to do like more things and be on stage and whatever and travel and all that. And so I started being an educator, um, pretty quickly with a different company. I wanted to like be on stage and just like have an audience. And so I've always like wanted to be on stage. Um, and so through doing that for years, um, I worked with a creative team with um, this hair company and we ended up um, starting to do like have our own team that would do fashion shows um, at fashion week. And so a small group of us started our creative team and then we did shows together for years. Wow. I really had no idea how all that worked. Yeah. <laughs> of like having like teams. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah. There's a lot of different ways to go about it, but that was kind of my in. And then once I was with that team for a while, I learned a lot. And then I um, had joined another team for a while working for uh, this French hairstylist, Odile, who she's just an incredible, um, like, s- sort of like a goddess, like in the uh, in the hair world. And, uh, it was incredible working for her because it was the first time where it wasn't like my friends that I was working with. And she, like, she told me at the end of the season, like, I need you to come back next season. Cause like, I, it's hard to find people that work like you do. And so it was one of those times where I was like, Oh, somebody else actually sees value in what I do. And not just like my friends who I've kind of grown into uh, a team. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of a wild industry to come from just going to beauty school, which people don't typically respect it very much and figuring out how to make it work. Yeah, I, I blame Greece. How would you describe your like approach? And I, we were talking before 
before about, you know, what we were going to talk about this episode. And you were saying there are a lot of similarities between comedy um, and styling. And it's like with comedy, you have to like find your voice, right? And I imagine that there, especially if you're going to be um, hired to do fashion shoots and stuff like what is the Bailey Pope brand of hairstyling? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that people like, uh, like there's, again, so many different ways to do like the whole, you know, editorial styling and all that. But a lot of it is just like having the technical skills and then like having that like that eye for like nuance. And mm-hmm. um, when you work with a team, typically it's like a team effort to figure out what the look is. And then every model has to have that same, uh, that same look. But for me, like when I'm going into doing hair on my own, it's usually, you know, collaborative, you know, you're working with a designer and they want a certain energy or they want to tell a certain story with a look or whatever. Um, and so in hair, it typically is so much more collaborative versus necessarily having your own individual voice. You know, sometimes you get that, but for the most part, it's usually like you working with a team of people. And I think that's like what one thing that I love so much about comedy is that um, when you're up on stage, the joke and everything that from who you are as a person, how you approach it, how you speak, your thoughts, your your angle on uh, on something, um, everything is just your voice. And so it is yeah. like, uh, it's, it's very different in that way. That's like a lot. Of, we talked to a lot of comedians um, and how they got to comedy. And that sounds like a lot of people who broke free from improv <laughs> say the same thing. <laughs> I can see that. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carolyn, uh, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. Improv and, and sketch. I'm like, I just need to isolate myself. Yeah. <laughs> how gay is the hair world? I feel like it's very gay. Well, we have Shane. I know, Bailey, you don't watch The L Word, uh, but, but I mean, Shane, I remember the fictional... Shane from yeah. the, first, the first, like, version of L Word. Okay. Yeah, they they kept her around for some reason. I only say that nothing against the, the character, just the stories they give her anyway. <laughs> careful! Uh, <laughs> but, but I feel like the, this fictional uh, lesbian character is, like, our most famous lesbian I I mean I think that it is interesting like that that storyline is really interesting because like hairstyling like being a hairstylist is one of the very few times where you're like paid to have physical contact with another person it is like a very intimate (laughs) thing if you think about like yeah like how many those scalp massages you pay money (laughs) to like actually touch you and like you're like just under a cape and you have you're just supposed to like you know it's it's a very okay and this feels weird you, uh, like how you the world sees you it's like super right, yeah. intimate you're like giving and control have sharp to somebody else head. yeah that's my favorite part so <laughs> uh, yeah uh as far as like how queer the 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 um yeah the, the hair world is very gay, but it's interesting because I, I will say, first off, one of the, my favorite things about beauty school, you know, like I knew that I wanted to transition from, like from the time I was like a kid. And so when I went to beauty school, it was like this wonderful time for me because first off, I was just mainly around um, other women. Um, and and then like a few guys that were there were gay. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this sort of like queer experience that I was getting to have before I transition, but also it's like, oh, sure, you know, oh, I, to pair up and do your makeup. I'm like, oh, bummer, you know. 
<laughs> and so like it was, I mean, it started out pretty queer for me, um, even though yeah. nobody else knew yet. And, um, but so there are so many, uh, so many gay people in the hair world, but you know, it's super weird and maybe, maybe not as weird as it, like if we thought about it, but like, um, in, once you get to like really high, like creative levels, it's weird how many like basic ass straight people there are. And it's almost like maybe there's a frustrating, um, power, like story being told uh, at those higher levels um, that maybe it would just be sad to get into. But I feel like I, I parallels to comedy. I will say, I will say, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's so many voices down here. Um, I, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. When I came out to my mom, uh, one of the first things she said was, like she blamed the industry that I'm in. She just thought that because I did hair is why I was transitioning. I was oh. like, no, I'm there's, there's, there's a lot more to it, mom. So to my mom, super gay, super gay. I actually, I do know a very high profile lesbian hairstylist. And I know this, um, because this was somebody I talked with in like gay chat rooms when I was a teenager and they, um, like we, I bought like a phone card to talk to her on the phone. Cause it was like long distance <laughs> and this is how long ago it was that like, you didn't want it on the phone bill. Oh my God. But the funny thing about it is I. I catfished her. I didn't realize that I like looking back. It wasn't until I connected with her later and was like, Hey, the picture I sent you of me wasn't really me, but it was cause I thought she was catfishing me. Like she sent me a picture of herself and she looked so hot and straight that I was like, Oh, there's no way that this is what did you this person her? that I've been talking to. I sent her a picture I found of somebody who, who looked like a, like a just slightly, cuter version of me it was like same like complexion same color eyes same color hair and whatever uh and i just like sent that and <laughs> the most um, thoughtful and catfish then, right and then years later when we connected i was like this is really embarrassing she's like so you catfished me i'm like oh oh my god i guess i did <laughs> but now she's like this like out um like a very like award-winning um specializing in like men's haircuts and short short haircuts yeah it's, that's kind of a weird thing about the hair world too is that like there are so many people that are super high profile right. someplace yeah somewhere well like a lot of times we don't even hear about each other because like i mean i know hairstylists that are like making upper six digits and like nobody's ever heard right. of them you know like they're a big deal but like just they hmm. don't get around i mean again that's similar to comedy there's so many people like the highest grossing uh comedian in canada i think i somebody said his name once i'm like i have no idea i've never heard of him couldn't pick him out of a lineup and he's he makes more money than like any canadian comedian but we just he does like a bunch of corporate stuff. Right? Yeah, probably. Like, um, Who knows? He's. And I think a lot of people hate on him. I think it's just probably jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got it locked up at Yuck Yucks. Um. 
So when did you start doing comedy? Uh, you know, it's a weird question. This is kind of like when you lie about being a hairstylist because people don't trust right. you. I've only been doing comedy about a year and a half. Um, but I because I've been on stage for like 13, 14 years, I've used comedy in my my educating and my stage performance for so long that um, I, I've gotten to the point where, uh, especially pre-pandemic, anytime I come home from work trips, my girlfriend would be like, oh, like, how, how are your classes? I'd be like, oh, they were amazing. I was so funny. And she's like, did they learn anything? <laughs> I'm like, that's questionable. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because you do definitely come off as somebody who is very comfortable on stage, who's more experienced than uh, if you were to put you against people who have only been doing it for a year and a half, people would be like, there's no way that Bailey's only been doing it for a year and a half. Well, yeah. That's what I, I hope for anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very obsessive too. And so being my age, I like feel like I have to like work really hard to catch up because I would rather move forward doing this than doing hair forever. And, um, and how really, come? <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of gotten to the place where it's like, I've done what I wanted to do in hair. Yeah. It still makes me happy, but it's not what I want to be centered around forever. Right. I saw that I could make it work. I went to beauty school and I figured out that I could make it work. And now I feel like, you know, this is what I'm, I've, I've always been really passionate about comedy, but I never felt like I would be allowed to do it. And now I'm just, you know, I, I can make this work too. Have you ever wanted to combine them in some way? I mean, that's kind of like how I've stayed so engaged over the last few years with it is that I look at every, every class and every presentation I ever give about hair. I, I look at figuring out how to make it the most entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I like live performance um, so much more than anything um, recorded or virtual. Um, and there's something about the con connecting with people in person is, is so important to me. And uh, so even when I've got, you know, uh, I mean, literally my job, uh, part of my job too, is I do presentations for a big hair company to like buyers for grocery stores. Like I do like right. some really random oh, jobs. Wow, yeah. And so when I'm like able to give information and also have them engaged and really enjoying you know, half hour about our new shampoos, like that is really rewarding to me. And so it is kind of like that combination of still doing hair, um, but engaging in comedy at the same time. And so for me, I can't imagine not having a, uh, a live audience for whatever I do moving right. forward. Well, then when you say you started a year and a half ago, did you start right before the yeah. pandemic? Yeah, I know. I was just doing okay. some math like, damn. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. It's just like kind of uh, trying to find time for mics and it was just the wrong time to, to start. But uh, it also was like kind of amazing time to start because um, in my pre-pandemic work life, I was on the road, you know, a couple times a month and right. uh, just very, very busy and so I, I've never been able to figure out um, where I would find the time to be consistent to get started. And so it was the worst timing and the best timing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because when things started opening up again, I remember I was seeing you before we started running into each other uh, in person, but I was seeing you on all these lineups and I thought, oh, cool. Um, A good queer comedian must have just moved to New York during the pandemic. Like, I didn't (laughs) think that you just uh, started during that. I I wish I could just, like, I wish everybody could just think that that is what it is. Because, you know, no matter how much, oh, I'm ready. (laughs) We're going to cut out any identifying information and and, uh, just be like, oh, it's been seven years. Um, No, (laughs) Uh, my girlfriend, let me go like, my girlfriend was with me at a show uh, a little while back and I was trying to like give the very nuanced answer of how long I've been doing comedy because I'm insecure about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, you know you make it awkward. You know that, right? I'm like, well, but I'm <laughs> uncomfortable just saying it's been this much amount of time, you know, but uh, she's like, well, maybe people will just be cool about it. I'm like, I don't think they will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can also just lie. Yeah. Just lie. I, I, yeah. Like if, if you say like three, three years, you could easily just, just say a few it. years, fine. like a <laughs> few years. I'm, I mean, gonna, I'm ready to start it. lying about how long I've been doing it. Cause I've been doing it too long for where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so. Say a little while. Yeah. A little while. Years. That's, that's all they need Times to know. three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just discussed it, but yeah, what a time to start. Oh, God. When everyone was, I mean, that's ideal to come out. Everyone's still so rusty. I'm still going to shows where people don't know what to do, like seasoned performers who have been on like Comedy Central or just like, truly, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I completely blinked or I need to grab my notebook. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the- no, I know tomorrow, tomorrow we're doing uh, a show. Melody and I are going to be in uh, Provincetown and uh, they're like a 15 minute set. And oh, I'm like, we're well, doing it's 15? been a while. Yeah. You're doing Andy's show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what a 15 minute set looks like for me anymore. It's been so long. Yeah. I was up there. Was that last week? Yeah, that last weekend I did that show. Oh, yeah. How was, it? How was that? It was it was fun. Um, it was like, I guess a couple of weeks prior, there had been a spike up there. And so right. there was like fewer people than expected. But it was a really fun show. And it was kind of like, I was, especially when I saw that it was like, the town was more dead than expected. I was like, we're going to do 15 minute sets for how many people? Ooh, and uh, yeah. the audience ended up being awesome. Yeah. It was one of those times. I don't know if you guys record your sets, but like I, I tend to record all my sets. Um, cause I, you know, I like to hurt later when I listen and, um, <laughs> yeah, I record all mine and never listen unless I absolutely have to. Cause I'm too afraid of that hurt. I was so nervous about like, I'm going to do 15 in front of this many people. It's just like, I felt weird about it. And so I forgot to record it slash. I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went so well. I was like, what is wrong with me that I didn't, I like, I should have recorded it. Cause a lot of things right. went right. And I was like, well, you fucked up and didn't record it. So that happens every time. to me all the time. Yeah. Every time I'm like, well, I don't think this one will be the one worth recording. And, and it always the best is. Set ever. Yeah. yeah. That's why you need someone secretly recording you. Once my wife got me uh, and it was the best set I had. But unfortunately, she started like one minute in. I'm like, this would have been the best tape ever. <laughs> anyway. the Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. The thing that strikes me too, you know, about being both in, in these two worlds that have, you know, you're creative, there's creative expression, uh, there's this like trajectory and level of competition, but also one is so glamorous and the other is so disgusting. Like comedy, <laughs> it's just like, how do you go from being somewhere that's all about like looks and this, and I guess comedy at some point, um, eventually, you know, but but the early years, let's say. It uh, is pure grime. Very, very very different energies like but the thing is like I've never felt like I actually fit when I'm at like fashion week like I'll tell you like I remember uh the end of one season I was just like I was sweaty and gross you know like we're in these back rooms far too many people and it's you know you did a show earlier in the day and you're already tired and you had like half a shitty salad before starting the next show and the last show of the season was uh oscar de la renta which is always a super high glam show an amazing location in the financial district and to get out you have to go through there's only one way to get out at the end of the show and it's with all the celebrities who are like getting their picture taken on the steps outside and so i was in line um, uh, between it was uh, Paris Hilton, which I, she's still around. Um, <laughs> she was in front of me, and then behind oh, me know. was Mila Kunis, and I'm just sitting there, disgusting and just tired and angry, uh, <laughs> with my big suitcase, just wanting to get out. But we had to like wait for it, and and I was just like, what? Why? How? Just let me out the like the tr- the trash shoot or something because that's who I am <laughs> here, and so it's like I never feel like I actually fit in that world. Um, I've always been really obsessed with comedy and 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 more that you know that's it's just always actually been more my energy. But um, one thing that I feel like it helps with is I don't know like if you guys have ever seen this happen with other comics, but like when comics are like real thirsty and weird around like big names when they come around and you're just like you're being weird about oh this. so like, yeah 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 like nobody wants to nobody's gonna like 
like rush to, you know, if, if you met somebody and they were like, made you uncomfortable and you, you're like, you're not going to try to get them on your lineup in the future or whatever, you know, just be fucking yeah. cool. Just be. Yeah. And so like being around a lot of celebrities at the like fashion week has helped me realize that everybody's um, not worth, you know, like freaking out about. Right. Especially now that the word is out that Mila Kunis doesn't bathe. Uh, <laughs> oh, what just is saw, happening? I, I didn't know where it came from at first. Bathing. I How saw is- like, I opened Twitter and they were like, Ashton and Mila, like bathing their kid. I was like, what is the internet? Like, <laughs> right. that's the bit and more and more coming out. And it's like, and they're all LA based uh, where it's hotter and they're sweating more and oh. not bathing. <laughs> what is happening? And there's like Dumois blind items coming in with more celebrities like, oh, yeah, I'm a stylist. Like I can I work real close to them and they stink. Like it's just a (laughs) thing. I don't understand. (laughs) Is there anyone that you've met through styling that did make you like that? It was harder to keep your cool around than others. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, actually, like shortly after I transitioned, um, I met Laverne Cox at a show and I was like, like, so like, you know, in the, the trans world that like, that was one time where it was, it was, you know, a celebrity and like, you know, personal connection that was Mm -hmm. so big that like, I like was definitely awkward talking to her. And luckily I don't think that she remembered me. I met her again, like two years later. And, um, I don't, you know, there's no reason to remember me other than like, maybe, it may be, you know, when, if you have this many tattoos, sometimes you're hard to forget, but um, <laughs> luckily she didn't remember me. I love it. So our listeners can't see, but we'll, we'll probably post a, a photo um, that Bailey is covered in gorgeous yeah. and super cool tattoos. Some of them. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's when you have a lot of them, I guess it, it hides flows. the ones that you, yeah. yeah, that you don't like as much, Perfect. but um, it, it's a look that, you know, can pass in like a high fashion and then also like underground comedy. I was world. thinking <laughs> that and trying to articulate that. <laughs> earlier thank you carolyn (laughs) yeah it's yeah a good look for both worlds i think it it definitely works and i'm like and i would be lying if it didn't like because i i often will meet people and they're like oh i've seen you on like flyers and stuff and you're like you've probably seen a lot of people a bunch of times but like you know how many white brians are you going to remember you know but like if you see like right you know yeah some you know, tat, you know, somebody with neck tattoos, um, and like pinkish yeah. hair, um, you might remember that you saw them again next time. Neck tattoos definitely make people very mem- memorable, like neck and chest area. Does that hurt more than the average tattoo? Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, especially cause some of it's actually up on my jawbone, like the, oh, the bottom of my jawbone. Bone. Yeah, so that hurt a lot, and then actually, it comes up behind my ear onto my hairline. Oh, um, look at that! So ah. Some of this, I actually like. Some of this, I I end up shaving a little bit of my hairline at that time, so it could go into my hairline. And for some reason, tattooing on like the hair follicle was just like a new pain that I had oh, felt wow. before. Wow, I haven't heard me that neither. before. My hairstylist it, calls this. She calls me a wolf. 
Wolverine <laughs> because I have the hair that grows there. Is, is that, that hair where you have to decide, <laughs> yeah. like, how much of this is hair and how much of this is fuzz? Right. It's my fur, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when did you start getting tattoos? I kind of want to go a little bit off topic and, yeah. and talk about your tattoos if you don't mind but Uh, yeah i started getting tattooed right at 18 um i i like i grew up in music scenes like punk rock and metal scenes and um i i started getting tattooed right at 18 and then um i got a bunch real early on because i had uh somebody that I actually went to beauty school with, um, her boyfriend was a tattoo artist. And so, um, I had like bartered with them and he gave me some of my first like really bad tattoos. Um, and then when I was living in Kansas city for a couple of years, I had, uh, I was bartering for tattoos. So I had a client who owned a tattoo shop and he was one of the best in the city. Um, and, uh, and he wanted to tattoo or he wanted to um, pay his receptionist more money, but he couldn't afford to. And so he tattooed me for free if I colored and cut her hair for free whenever she wanted it. <laughs> and so at least half my tattoos I got for free um, wow. from doing hair. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I love, love that. Exchange of like, services. I have zero skills that yeah. I can barter. Right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> In terms of being in these two worlds, is there a difference in how you're received as a queer trans person? You know, uh, there is and there is. I mean, like in the hair world, um, I feel like especially in like high fashion, it's this world of um, often more, you know, left leaning liberal kind of people, more progressive people. But also it's a world where like even if people are conservative, they wouldn't like bring bring their opinions to that like work environment right Um, and so right uh i remember when i when i was getting ready to come out the creative director for the company that i work for we've been close for a long time and so a couple months before i actually came out i told him that i was going to transition i was going to come out and i was worried about our our clients and our like people that we go do classes and events with and he was like if you can't do this here where can you do it and um right. and so that was like a really encouraging thing but it was true too you know like it it is again a pretty gay world uh in fashion and yeah. um but then in comedy like it's it can be a lot, uh, one or the other. Like I, um, I am usually more surprised at how good comics are about like when, you know, a lot of times people like won't know until I do a bunch of trans material or, or they say that they don't know. I don't really know. Um, but, uh, I'd say most of the time people are way cooler. Uh, and if, if ever, if ever I have any problems, it's usually like weird, you know, drunk, audience members or something i was actually i did a mic the other day and right. some some guy was like drinking at the bar at this mic and he's like too much information it's like oh oh but so as far as like comics like comics are typically way cooler about it uh than people would assume hmm. um yeah but you know it, we still live in the and we're doing comedy to the world and not everybody's in right 
Yeah, I feel like comedians are great, like one on one. And when you're talking to them and stuff, they're they're cool about whatever. But then you'll hear them on stage and then they'll make a joke and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that I'm like, okay. there's so many comics who, you know, whether it's queer issues or anything like some of the easiest or like the like easiest jokes are things that are like uh, shocking. You know, it's like new. Comics will often like lean into whatever is like, um, you know, you weren't supposed to say or whatever. And it's like kind of tired, but it's like, I think that also a lot of people don't have any clue on how, how they actually make people feel, or maybe they don't actually care or whatever. Right. I have a much lower threshold for like what, you know, what people can say around me. Um, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect others. And so it is weird hearing things when, uh, it's people that, um, know that, know that I'm trans and they'll say things and be like, do you know that I would be like not uh, offended or like, are you saying that because you just think it, it was such a good joke that like, it doesn't matter if it's something shitty, you know? So yeah, yeah. You, you do hear a lot of weird shit from, like straight guys, you're just like that. That was what you pulled from. Like you don't have anything else in your life that you could right. be writing about. Like why is this yeah. so important to you? Yeah, hope they just stay at the open mics as much as possible, and not the shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's interesting how, but also not surprising that in my experience, I've witnessed a lot of uh, cis straight men wanting to make jokes specifically about trans women and then trans women comedians I know have some of the thickest skin and like don't give a shit attitude uh, of comics I know and then you don't really have cis women making jokes about trans men and then I would say not that I know too many but I, I feel like some of the the trans um, comics I I know would be a little bit more like sensitive to that. yeah. Does that no, make I mean sense? I fully I, yeah. I think that there there's a lot to be said about um, there's a lot to be said about how people are you know how people grow up and like what how you're socialized or whatever. And I think that whether right. people are conscious of how that affects like, um, how you treat people. I think people are very aware of like, if people have like, um, like subconscious reasons that they like treat like cis females a certain way, often, whether they know it or not, I think that sometimes those same people are doing that to trans men and it's not right. Um, but it, it is kind of like something that I've seen as well. And I think that that's why it works in that same way where maybe guy, uh, cis men who are like, like are cool, like in, in the understanding of trans women. Um, but like, I think that in their heads, maybe subconsciously they're going, Oh, well, you know, you grew up in a, a similar way to me. So I'm going to like talk shit because you'll be fine with it. Yeah. That makes yeah, it's yes. a weird, yeah. it's a weird thing to think about, but I, I do think that there's a lot of like subconscious reasons people talk the way they do about that. Switching gears a little bit, what about dating in both industries? So I know you have a a girlfriend now, but is there 
dating between like hairstylists and their clients? Like, do people Definitely. hit it off? Because, you, like you said, it's very like Sherry yeah. Jeffy and Kate. <laughs> in yeah, Shane I mean, I've known it's very intimate. So many, especially like straight cis uh, hairstylists who hook up with so many of their clients because it is like there's that intimate connection you're having with people and you're like one on one. Like, a lot of times it seems like they're on a date half the time when like these like straight guys that I've worked with are, you know, doing a cut in color. They're with, you know, they're with these girls for, you know, three, four hours at a time, like captive audience, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Longer than a date. Uh, So like, yeah, I've seen that a lot. And actually I remember, so I, I mentioned working for, uh, as an uh, assistant, when I first got out of beauty school, I assisted this, uh, this male, uh, hairstylist in LA and the assistant before me, uh, was, um, once I started was, uh, his girlfriend. So like they started out working and then they started dating and then she ended up uh, going to work somewhere else so that they could actually date in a, a better way or something. Um, but <laughs> I remember too, uh, Within the first few weeks of working there, evidently his girlfriend, the ex-assistant, had gotten a DUI. And so then one of our clients, who is a lawyer, was um, fighting her DUI in return for haircuts for himself, for his wife, and his girlfriend. His girlfriend (laughs) on the side also came to us. And so part of my job was scheduling and making sure that they didn't get charged and they didn't schedule the wife and girlfriend at the same time. Um, Also, the wife didn't know about the girlfriend. Oh, no, no. It was and and, like I grew up out in the suburbs in Southern California. And this was like I'm like working in L.A. And I was like, this is yeah, I guess this is what L.A. is. Uh, this feels right. Like what they said it would be <laughs> all that to be fighting a DUI for the girlfriend who like was the assistant. It's stylists are messy people sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of like comedy, there's probably no HR unless you're, you get a job with one of the larger companies. Yeah. Right? I mean, other, typically it's just, you're working yeah. for a stylist that opened their own salon because they didn't want to work for anybody else. And so HR is just some, you know, some other stylist that uh, doesn't understand how to run a business in the first place. (laughs) Or even if you're just like a stylist renting a a chair somewhere, like you're subject to however the customers or the other people working there treat you. No structure whatsoever. Yeah. Chaos. I've never even thought about the levels oh, of bartering so much <laughs> that happen. If the world goes down. I'm going to still have a skill to, to offer everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I want a skill. Yeah. I don't know about like when I see people who date in the comedy, it's so funny watching comics who date each other, like be at like Oops. at like mics and shows together. I mean, I was just, it was yesterday or two days ago. I, I know a couple, I, I like both of them, but a lot of times their jokes are like about each other or like, and I'm just like, Oops. she was just up here. <laughs> like we just heard the other half Drag of this me. story. 
I, that's why I don't like going to Mike's with Allie because it just actually turns into a roast session and then we start playing it up for the other comics to like see how good we can get each other and then we lose sight of what we're actually trying to do. Yes, we have like legitimate bits about each other, but like when we're at in a mic or like a more casual environment, it's it just we're just, just like, a playing long for the silent train ride home at that point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we run things by each other um before. Um because I remember when we first started dating, um she was she had played the Laugh Factory the night before. Um I didn't want to go. I stayed in and then she was taking a shower the next morning and was listening back to her set to get ready for her next show that night. And I just heard all this stuff about my family <laughs> <laughs> and like like think I was just like just like with her thick southern accent I was like you need to work this out and first run it by me open mic it some more you sound racist like I just yeah it was like an explosive fight and since then we I uh, run bits by oh, each other I before not. we do them do about it. each other I even when <laughs> I when I'm step. writing any I have very little material about my girlfriend because first off she doesn't really like a lot of attention she's she's like pretty private but also like um anytime she has heard jokes that even like relatively she knows the context around she's like wait but did that did that actually happen like well yeah but like it and she doesn't really understand like some of the mechanisms that go into like yeah bringing it to life you know and uh so then anything that's about her i'm like well but it's not it's they're, they don't know you. It doesn't. And so it's like, I can't imagine that person being in the audience or being on the lineup with me every time. Yeah. I try to do less shows with Allie now. I opened for her for like summer 2019. We did shows on the road and it was just, <laughs> I can't handle it psychically anymore. I was listening I, to um, psychologically. somebody's podcast recently. They were talking with Caitlin Palufo and, you know, she dates uh steven uh rogers and like they like go on tour together and like if one's headlining the other one like opens for them i'm like i don't know guys i like you guys together you should not do this together power dynamic it's too much yeah i know um maddie smith and her boyfriend is a comic and i used to go to the same mic as both of them every time and whenever she's doing her blowjob jokes i'm just looking at him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at five years you get numb to it i guess but yeah it was well, very i'm glad to be <laughs> the third wheel on a lineup with you and Allie <laughs> tomorrow melanie Woo! yeah you just get ready it is gonna be i got a the lot flyer of, um, and i'm like wait it's just the three of us <laughs> there's yeah. no padding for me not to feel like the third wheel cool cool oh if you guys didn't know how gay that get trip ready. is gonna be already uh you have to go on the um topless jeep tour uh so one okay. of the okay so What's it's this? not what it sounds like but like yeah it's very Jeeps alone it's, is um, super one of the producers Kristen, uh has <laughs> a jeep that she does like dune tours she'll like take you out on the sand dunes and do like a sort of like it's so fun but it is i mean it's just a bunch of lesbians in a jeep you know out in the wilderness oh it's fucking my great. god <laughs> Oh, but but you're not taking her tops that off because my, like my wife really wants to be in a situation where she's in a car without a roof and can take I her think top that, off. This that is could like definitely a weird, happen. Like, oh, bucket list I thing mean. for her. Okay. <laughs> is yeah. she coming? Yeah, we'll be there. Oh, for yeah, the week, she'll be there uh, in P Town. So maybe maybe I can make her dreams oh. come true. Wow, how exciting! An exciting Thanks for the hot time tip. for all of us. <laughs> 
My wife's the only uh, one on this Jeep with her t- <laughs> just driving six miles it. per hour. And she's just like, I feel so free. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to uh, hairstyling, do you find that what you've learned in terms of getting ahead in that industry are going to help you with getting ahead in comedy? Yeah, that's actually like a super inter- interesting question because I think like a lot of times it's like... I'm sure you've seen this in comedy where you're like, wait, there are so many intensely talented people that like aren't moving forward and they should. And it's, it's frustrating to watch, but I realize, especially from my experience in hairstyling and the fashion world is that like, um, sometimes it's even more important just to like be good to people and like make connections and like be somebody who is easy to work with. Um, I was doing fashion week way before I should have been there. Um, and part of it is because I'm, I was like a really great assistant. Like, uh, for a while when I was doing fashion week, I was just somebody who was helping somebody else do hair. You know, a lot of times, like what you need to do is just be a really great part of a team and not necessarily be the, just another lead, you know? So I find that in comedy, one of the way, one of the things that I feel like has helped me a lot in like progressing and, and getting myself around comics that build me up and like help me learn better habits and better, you know, um, skills is by being somebody who is easy to work with. Um, and like just being good to be around. I mean, like there are so many, you know, obviously like a lot of times our material can be cynical, but if you're just like hard to be around why would anybody book you right yeah Yeah. and take you on the road for a weekend to feature i realized that in chicago um i was given some like good opportunities that i didn't think i was ready for but on the car ride once like a headliner told me like it's like you just need to be able to be someone for five hours like and i passed that test or like comics who want to eventually write. It's like people think just because it's a solitary thing, stand up comedy, you could be as like batshit crazy as you want. Um, like you are just your singular force. But like if you want to get staffed on a writing show or something, you need to show people that you can also work in and a be team dependable and not be yeah, crazy right. constantly. Yeah. <laughs> like let it be a persona and not just like, yeah, because, yeah, your whole deal that's stopping you from getting. I've seen so many people just not get opportunities for that reason because they are who they are off stage. Typically, people are way. going to grow like skill wise, but like if you're just like uncomfortable and like hard to work with, like you're not going to grow because nobody wants to have you working on with them. You know, you're not going to get new opportunities because you're just a pain. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like that's also something that I, I try to remember that being um, in my thirties and starting much later than most people do. I, I have a lot of perspective of like how much more important it is just to be good to people that you work with. Um, And like, I, I think that that's really important. Um, and a lot of times younger people or younger comics don't understand how much that matters. For sure. Oh, yeah. I envy people who start later, actually, because I just I started in my early 20s and felt like I just wasted so much time. I was also figuring out how to be a person, let alone a comic. And yeah, I just see such efficiency <laughs> and like 
enviable structure at people's approach, like the later they start. I always wonder like how anybody like has anything to write about because they haven't lived much life yet. Yeah. I mean, I literally some of my first material was just so annoying and about how like I can't wait to be in my 30s because then people are going to take <laughs> and me And then you seriously. get here and you're like, nobody <laughs> does. <laughs> Doing it to a room of 30. Yeah, somethings. yeah. that's better than having the 26 year old be like, I'm panicking because I'm almost 30. And you're like, all right, you can leave now. <laughs> Oh, my God. I went to that Pete's mic and that was the premise for half of yeah. over half the comics, <laughs> like approaching the big three. Oh, oh my Life God. Is over. I think I saw a gray. Like, yeah. And I, I did material like that in my 20s. Yeah, it's just a, a stupid time. <laughs> yeah, I did feel because I, I also started later and especially starting in I took an improv class over the summer and there were literally people who had just graduated high school and they were like, oh, my God, you're 10 years older than me. That's Ooh. crazy. I'm like, it's, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got hit with a that's OK when I told oh. my age to a 20 something comic out of mic recently. Are you fucking kidding me? But. I I do find that there are advantages because I had uh, a lot of business experience that I know how to kind of make smart decisions. I know how to be strategic. I know how to stay out of drama. Uh, (laughs) All that kind of stuff. I know how to keep a schedule. I don't know. (laughs) I I was thinking about this the other day because I'm going to Chicago uh, for a show and like I'm trying to like find a couple spots right and I I, like got some contacts from people but like just the way you contact people uh after you have like professional life experience versus how like I've heard I've heard some of the things that people like you know in the early 20s will will message to get spots and you're like are you even likable to you because this is terrible (laughs) chances are no oh man well bailey uh i hope we do have a lot of listeners in chicago so if you get booked like where can people follow you on social media and see what shows you have coming up i recommend anybody who's uh in one of the cities where bailey's doing comedy go see her because she's uh very funny and i love watching you you know there's some people that you run into mics a lot and you're like oh i have to listen to this set again but every time i see you, i'm like oh cool bailey's Yay. here <laughs> <laughs> no i'm always happy to see yeah. you because i'm yeah i I feel like we are on a similar wavelength and there are so many people who are like, Oh, I know too much about you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, if you go to baileypopecomedy.com, uh, you can find my links to social and um, Instagram is always going to be the best and like most updated place for uh, shows. I'll be in Chicago um, sh- September um, 8th through 11th and uh, anywhere in New York um, you can find on Instagram. Amazing. Well, Bailey, thank you so much for diking out with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Bailey. Melody, are you making a list of things to barter to get Bailey to do your hair? Because I'm already like, what can I offer? I know. Probably just money. It's depressing. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually just money. Um. It's probably all (laughs) at this point in Bailey's career. I think she no longer wants to uh, barter for she wouldn't want me to give her a tattoo. No. Yeah. And she wouldn't want me to scream jokes at her like what do i do (laughs) like i don't have any skills i'm spiraling let's get to the listener question okay (laughs) (laughs) oh this is fun 
I have a newer friend that I've had a crush on since I met her. A huge she, crush, Melody. A huge crush. Did I not say huge? You just said a crush. We got, oh it's, my we God. got to differentiate. Because this makes a huge difference. Yeah. Because we all know those crushes. Yes. And for me, that's any queer person I meet. And then exactly. you have your huge crushes. Yeah. Yes. So this is one that's very on the mind. Okay. She knows that I'm bi, but she has made it clear that she's not interested in girls whatsoever. So I've never told her about the crush. Our friend group recently went to a bar and she got wasted and was dancing all over me, shoving her ass to twerk on me. Twerk is in quotes. I just want to... <laughs> I love that little detail. Um, I love dancing silly and slutty with my friends and would be okay with it if I didn't have a crush on her. But this feels different slash unfair because I do. Since she said that she doesn't like girls, I'm trusting that this is completely platonic and nothing more. I don't want it to happen again, but I also don't want to make a big deal out of it. Is there anything I should say or do? What a great question, because I feel like many of our listeners have been in a similar scenario because straight girls are known for these shenanigans that are boldly stating they could never with another woman. Right. And then putting their butthole on your vulva like that's or Mm -hmm. whatever you got going on they will do that and what does it mean you know if when she says she's made it clear that she's not interested in girls whatsoever at first i thought doth protest too much (laughs) because I, i don't have many friends who have made it clear that they're right. not into girls whatsoever. Who's doing that in 2021? Right. And I feel like if someone has to go out of the way to state that, it means that maybe they do maybe. deep down and that they're scared by it. And when they get wasted, they find their friend who does like girls and think maybe I can mm-hmm. twerk on them and see how it makes me feel. She is just dancing her way up that Kinsey scale and she's <laughs> gotta be able to confront it when she's sober. Yes. <laughs> so it's a good question. What do you do in this situation? Because she was wasted. It also by the fact that she has stated that she's not interested in girls whatsoever, that if you say anything about it, she might have you know, one of those dramatic faux freakouts where she's making it a bigger deal than it really is. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember like, my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> right, kind of. right. And she'll be like, oh, I can't believe you would even think that. No, whatever. Um, so maybe, I would say maybe it doesn't need to be addressed, but if it starts happening again, yeah, if it's stop it in the moment and be like, hey, uh, you know, I don't want to dance with you like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or just walk away She'll know or why just dance with someone else. That. Yeah. She'll deduce that it, you might have like it might spark some more feelings. And then yeah. if she wants to do something about it, she will know she has that option. <laughs> We're probably making the crush worse by being like, she's probably a little bit gay. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, But yeah, I I wouldn't say anything for now, especially, you know, people's memories of their behavior 
mm-hmm. when they're drunk isn't always great. And sometimes it can go two ways. They can apologize uh, profusely about it and be feel bad about it and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I won't do it again. Or they will uh, deny, deny, deny and act defense, weird about defense, it defense. Yeah. and then project onto you, whatever. It's a mess. So just uh, be mindful of it next time. And when you see her um, backing that ass up, mm-hmm. you back up as well. <laughs> You like me saying backing that ass up? Because I was just saying the word you talked. You said fashion in throwing Bailey. Back that ass up. The most, you cram in all those sharp A's into a sentence. Back Uh, that ass up. (laughs) uh, Be right back. I'm calling my speech therapist. Okay. (laughs) Actually, my neighbor does uh, speech therapy and she does uh, accent reduction. So maybe I'll ask her if she has Reduction. a. I'll ask her if she has a tip for the sharp A's. Oh my god! No, I love it. I genuinely love it. Just <laughs> back that ass up. <laughs> if you have a listener question or uh, comments on my accent, please send it to dykingout at gmail dot com, and we will put you in the queue. And you can follow us everywhere at Diking Out on uh, social medias. Also, go to patreon.com slash Diking Out. That is our community where we give extra content every single week. We've been uh, recapping L Word and Q episodes, giving all of our hot takes, pointing out the ridiculous things you might not have noticed, and drooling over uh, Gigi just every time, no matter what. You, yeah. I know that that's what it's going to devolve no into. No matter what pairing we find her in. Yes, she could be uh, doing her laundry by herself at the laundromat. Would watch half an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thanks so much for diking out with us. We'll see you next Tuesday, baby. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.